The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit, Detroit Lions Midweek Podcast. Used to be our preview podcast, now it's just our midweek podcast because guess what? It's the offseason. No more games, so you just get a little bite-sized podcast in the middle of the week covering news, analysis, whatever we want to talk about this week. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the, the managing editor of prideofdetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online, as it says right here where I'm pointing if you're watching live on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash prideofdetroit. With me, as always, for our first midweek podcast, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD on on Twitter. I almost said Twitch. You're not quite on Twitch yet. No, I was on Twitch and I was the one who was doing the Pride of Detroit weekly simulations for the predictions. But the man sims. Yeah, I did. I was kind of the front runner on that, but I don't have a Twitch account. I don't do a lot of streaming, unlike Darius Slay. Who's doing a lot of off, he's doing a lot of off-season twitching. <laughs> he is. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get a part, get get in on that a little bit because we have had some Lions fans or Lions players on our on our Twitch channel. Uh, but Darius does plays all these games that I don't play, like NBA 2K and PUBG and all that stuff. But um, maybe we'll get him back on on Call of Duty and get him on there. But anyways, let's talk about the matter at hand. This segment, this mini podcast, we're going to talk. Actually, before I even get into it, Ryan, do you know what today is? It's Thursday and it's February. Okay, you're two for two. All right. But exactly one month and 12 days from now is the start of free agency. <laughs> so we're going to talk about free agency this, this week for this podcast. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about the Lions free agents and the guys that they're going to have to make a decision for in the next month and 12 days but let's talk about some something a little more fun let's let's play gm let's look at the free agents to be from other teams and decide who we think would make a good fit in detroit now before we get into some specific names i kind of want to talk about um the philosophy the the strategy the lines may have going into this free agency we've seen them be very aggressive at times we've seen bob quinn kind of take some more second and third tier guys 
Um, but let's start there. Let's the Lions have what is it about thirty? Sorry, forty eight point four million in in cap space, which is actually right around the average. Sounds like a lot. Um, and then when you figure in, you know, they're going to have a high draft pick. They like to keep around five to ten million in in kind of rainy day funds during the season. Um, it's not a ton of cap space, but it's it's a healthy amount. So. What do you think the Lions are going to do this free agency? Are they going to be that aggressive team that we saw last last year, getting you know the top edge guy, top tight end, one of the top corners, or is it going to be more of a like subdued, take it easy kind of free agency and and really hit their mark during the draft? You know, I think personally, and I'm not basing this off any actual intel or information, but my gut is telling me that I think Bob Quinn is going to go out and he's going to get a couple of impact players. Mm-hmm. Much much in the way that he did last season, but I don't think that they're going to be young players. I think they're going to be veteran players. And they might cost they might cost similar, maybe maybe a little bit less than Trey Flowers because you you purchased uh the rights to have him on your team at a time in which he was kind of cashing in on free agency during uh you know, younger you know, at a younger age and especially even the same thing with, um, with Coleman. But I think, I think what will happen is I think the Lions will try to get proven guys that aren't necessarily projected to be better players within the next two or three years. And I think that is just based on my, my theory. And uh, I think everybody can kind of read the tea leaves, but the Boston boys have, uh, you know, ostensibly one year to get, to get the job done. So I think that they're going to try to get some proven commodities that don't really have to prove a whole lot or don't have room for growth, but they, they're going to get players who can be players day one. I don't know. What do you think? That, and that was exactly the point I was going to bring up is that kind of pseudo ultimatum and, and how that might affect things, whether they need to get guys, like you said, that are just, you don't need to coach them up that much. They, they know what's expected of them. They know how to roll. They, they can even teach some, because I do think, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, the Lions have some some young pieces that could probably use a veteran presence um, in in any really any phase of that defense. Um, but I, I do I don't know I get the feeling like there there might be one big signing and and maybe not quite to the level of, of Trey Flowers last year, but this team needs a splash and. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a veteran guy in like nearing thirty, and it's only a one or two year deal worth ten million or whatever, um, or or another guy that's like a three or four year multi year deal with with big numbers, I do think they're going to be a little bit aggressive here. They kind of have to be because because of that situation, because of the situation they're in, where they need to improve by probably six wins or more this year, which is a tall tall order for any team. Um, and, and there's one guy I have in mind. I'm just going to tease that for a little bit later. Um, and, and I'll, I'll already give you a hint because Nick Coscarelli guessed it. Make maybe a splashy defensive tackle. That is the position I'm thinking of. And it might not be the guy you're thinking of because there is one defensive tackle. That's clearly number one in the market, but he's, he's not the one I'm talking about. Anyways, mm-hmm. let's talk about some positions of need. Um, I listed my top six out a couple weeks ago. I'm curious as to what you think, given the Lions' current resources, given their needs, given the free agency market, what do you think is a is a potential position group or, or 
give me your list of p- position groups that the Lions might go after, specifically in free agency, kind of putting aside the draft for now. Sure. I think even if you want to put the draft to the side and you don't, and, and this is something that the Lions did last season, right? I think they went out, they got a player like Jesse James because they weren't necessarily sure if TJ Hawkinson was going to be the guy that they wanted to draft at eight. Right. And I think that the reason why we both believe that Bob Quinn will go out and make a big play in free agency is because he's done that every season since he's got here. He's gone out and he's gotten Marvin Jones. He went out and he got Rick Wagner. He went out and he got Trey Flowers. So it seems like every offseason he does make a splashy play and grab, you know, a, a big name talent off the market. I think that one of those positions, regardless of whether or not you think they're going to draft Jeffrey Okuda at three is they're going to be in the market for a cornerback. And I, I, I think that is just based off of a couple of things. One, and I know you've mentioned this before, but the lions played really hard to try to get Richard Sherman. They ended up not getting him because he wasn't really feeling the vibe here in Detroit. I think that the lions could be big players to grab a cornerback and still draft Jeffrey Okuda at three. Yeah. Or maybe move back and draft Jeffrey Okuda at, at five or seven or wherever they move down to. And if he Don't happens to still me. be available. Don't tease me with that, Ryan. I think I think he's still, I, I, I think much in the same way that the Lions dra- you know, grabbed Jesse James in free agency at tight end and still drafted TJ Hawkinson, the same thing could happen. And I know that seems a little bit redundant. And I know that seems kind of contradictory to both what we said to open up the segment where well, the Lions need big. They need they need players who can contribute immediately because the clock is ticking on, you know, this regime. But at the same time, I think that's just smart building because, say, the Lions do have a decent enough season to keep this regime in place. Well, then all of a sudden you had a veteran corner, and we'll get into who those names might be. And then you have a guy like Jeffrey Okuda, and all of a sudden now you have a spoil of riches, and you don't really ne- necessarily know what's going to happen with Darius Slay. So. Right. Yep. I, I think I think that's I think that's another point too is you you have to consider what the team thinks will happen with Darius Slay whether or not he en- enters a you know the trade market again but cornerback I think is definitely uh, a position of need for the Lions as they head in the free agency what do you what do you think I think defensive tackle might be this team's biggest need and and partially because that's an all encompassing position to say defensive tackle um, you know that, that encompasses nose tackle that encompasses a, encompasses a three tech you know pass rusher but you look at where this team might lose a lot of its assets this year mike daniels is a free agent a sean robinson is a free agent we don't know what to expect of a guy like deshaun hand who's been injured who's finished his past two seasons injured um and then obviously the retirement of, of snacks being mm-hmm. a, a potential uh yeah. news story this this uh, offseason means this team needs multiple, multiple defensive tackles. And you can talk about the draft. You can talk about Brown being potentially that third overall pick. But regardless, this team is going to need depth, starters, all of the above this offseason. And so I think in free agency, there's I, I, I'm going to name off five defensive tackles that I think would be a good fit in Detroit at, at some point during this podcast. Um, kind of both of the nose tackle and the pass rushing variety. Um, but I think I think they at least grab two in free agency this year if, if they don't resign some of their other guys. Yeah, I think I think that that is just a I think that's going to be a consistent trend amongst our conversation today. And it's something that is just 
painfully obvious about this roster is that the Lions need depth at just about every position. And when you say defensive tackle, there's so many different types of defensive tackles that will fit a need for the Lions, much in the same way for cornerback. I don't think the Lions are, I don't think that they're too necessarily set at, you know, nickel or they're necessarily set at an outside guy at a number two guy, or maybe even a number one guy, depending on what happens with Darius Slay. So, right. Which, which leads me right into my next area of need, and I think it's wide receiver. Yeah. I think the Let's Lions... Talk a little, at, talk it, yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah, so I think that the Lions with Dan, Danny Amendola was on a one-year deal. I think mm-hmm. that there's a definitely a need for a slot receiver. Yep. Whether or not Danny Amendola comes back or follows Tom Brady to whatever black-and-white photo he takes at the, the entrance of a football stadium, I don't know. But... The Lions will undoubtedly need a slot receiver and they could potentially be in the market for another outside wide out based on the fact that Marvin Jones contract is up pretty soon. So I think that the Lions maybe start preparing themselves for a life without, you know, uh, you know, a, a slot receiver like Danny Amendola after one season. And then also without Marvin Jones, um, and, and Marvin Jones is also, he's been dinged up by injuries in the past couple of seasons and, and he's missed some time. So I think, I, I don't know if the Lions are necessarily set with their depth at wide receiver and they could, I mean, they went out and they got Jermaine Curse last season and they did that for a reason. He had, he had a level of comfortability with Daryl Bevel's offense. And I, I think that the Lions were kind of building themselves a little bit of a cushion in case injuries happened and injuries did happen to Jermaine curse, which was right. unfortunate. Right. right. But I, I think that they could make a play for a veteran receiver like a Jermaine curse. I don't think you see them go out and try to get, you know, Amari Cooper or some big name splashy wide receiver, because I don't think that there's necessarily the snaps available for that. And also I would think right. that that would just be kind of silly after they spend the eighth overall pick on a guy like Hawkinson. Yeah, they have Kenny Galladay, who's a yep. pro bowler. So they they have they have weapons, but I think they need depth at that position. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't they need depth, and they also need a slot receiver. So that's why I think wide receivers a position of need too. Yeah, and they also have to think about their future, right? Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay both entering contract years. I, I think the overall belief is Kenny Galladay obviously gets a, an extension, but Marvin Jones' oh future is certainly more in in up in the air. Am I am I, I jumping so. to too much of a conclusion right now with Galladay? You think? No, I think that if you can make an argument for any player on this roster that the Lions need to absolutely open up the pocketbook for, I think it's Kenny Galladay. And I'm maybe the biggest Darius Slay supporter this side of the Mississippi River. So, All right. uh, The final position that I think uh, the Lions might be, and and that this isn't an exclusive list. Obviously, there are some other positions they might get depth in, but um, a position of, of... relative need is guard. Um, the Lions have three guys facing free agency, Node Abushi, Graham Glasgow, and Kenny Wiggins. Um, we'll see how many of those guys they end up bringing back, but I think the general belief is that at least Graham Glasgow is going, which means the Lions have a starting position to fill. The question is, if they're letting Graham Glasgow go, why would they be... They, they must have a different plan in place. Why would they spend a ton of money in free agency? Or, you know... Maybe they are looking to free agency, but aren't looking at that top tier uh, of guys. So I, I like I, I I don't really know what to expect of the Lions and the guard position in free agency. I I kind of tend to think they they're maybe just planning to go younger and cheaper through the draft. But 
you never really want to pigeonhole yourself into making sure that you have to draft a guard in a draft because the guy that you, you want might not be there in the second, the third, the fourth round, whatever you're getting. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, do you have any like gut feeling on what the lines do at guard? I feel like no one really does at this point, but putting you uh, on the, on the hot seat here, what are the lines going to do at guard? Yeah. Uh, They have Joe Dahl and I'm wondering whether or not they feel totally comfortable, even with him being a starter going into next season. So, I mean, maybe they could potentially be totally revamping themselves at guard because Frank Ragnow is undoubtedly their center. I don't think that they want to move off that. I think if they were even entertaining the thought of that, Graham Glasgow would be a slam dunk to bring back because of his right. positional versatility. And if I'm assuming that Frank Ragnow is their center, maybe they maybe they're cool with Joe Dahl, but I, I, I really do think that the Lions not only draft a guard, but I think that they also get at least one guard in free agency, especially with the way that they ran this whole guard experiment in terms of the rotation. Yeah. I think they're going to want to bring in a couple of guys and I think they're going to want to bring in guys who can play from the day, you know, from day one. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and they got a guard in free agency, maybe even two and then but drafted and yeah. then drafted a guy on top of that who just had some positional versatility. Maybe he can play guard and kick out to tackle or maybe, you know, kind of in the same vein as what they did with Tyrell Crosby. Right. They drafted a right. guy who maybe he was going to make the transition to guard. He's, he can play tackle. They might they might try to grab a guy like that in the draft, but they definitely need to nail down that position because they literally do not have a starter. Yeah. And, and kind of the, the wild card in this whole thing is, you know, this week, the Lions side, Joshua Garnett, the former first round pick. Yeah. Um, who's kind of had an injury riddled career and hasn't played that well when he's been playing. It's kind of one of those rolling of the dice where you know, it, it it doesn't hurt to try. The guy, no one really took a chance on him for whatever reason in 2019. He, he had a couple workouts, but never clung to a team after he got cut. Um, but you roll the dice on him, you see what happens. And, you know, at worst, you, you cut him in, in training camp or even before then. But um, it I, I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting name to, to throw out there because he is a former first round pick and he certainly had talent at some point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um I, I certainly wouldn't expect him to be a week one starter unless things went drastically wrong, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, I think we're going to take a break. We teased you that entire segment. When we come back, we're actually going to start naming some names, some guys that we think the Lions should go after, may go after, maybe even will go after. You're going to have to sit through this commercial. When we come back, we got names for you. Stick with us. Welcome back to First Bite, our midweek mini podcast where we talk about all things Detroit Lions. This week, it's all about free agency, which is exactly a month and 12 days away. Uh, We teased it in the first segment. Now we're going to get to it. We're going to get to our favorite uh, candidates, our favorite fits, our favorite free agents from other teams that we think would look very good in the Honolulu Blue. 
I think we might as well start with cornerbacks because that was our top kind of need that we talked about at the, at the beginning. I have a list of a couple very interesting players that not only are good fits, but decent players. Um, let, let's just start at the top. Let's talk about Chris Harris Jr. Um, I think uh, the line supposedly tried to trade for him during the trade deadline last year, um, which is kind of interesting when it was mixed in with all the Darius Slay rumors. Uh, the Lions have Corey Unlin now as their defensive coordinator who coached Harris as a young player in, in Denver. Um, the, the big knock on him is that he's old. He's coming off his worst season um, by PFF standards. But to me, one of the most appealing things about him is that he's both an inside and an outside guy. He's a little shorter than the lines like at 5'11", but last year he played mostly as an outside guy. The previous years he was more of a nickel guy. The Lions love versatility, and if Justin Coleman is going to play like he did in, in 2019, you could use a guy that could slide inside and, and you know slide in for a game if he gets injured, slide in for a game if you're like, well, he's you know, he's not, Coleman's having an off day. Let's slide Harrison there and see what he can do. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Harris liked Unlin a lot. So, I mean, it, it might cost the lines a little bit, but we talked about it beforehand. This is exactly the kind of like short term proven guy that can just slide in and play right away. Yeah, he can slide in, he can play right away. And as you mentioned, Jeremy, he has that positional versatility to play outside, but also play inside. And when you talk about him playing inside and lining up in the slot, there are very few cornerbacks, if any, in the NFL who have been as good as Chris Harris Jr. has been ever since he came into the league at that slot nickel corner position. Because looking at some of the stats, in terms of being a slot corner, one of the lowest passer ratings allowed 71.6. That's eighth out of 119 qualifying cornerbacks. And I mean, there, there are just so many other statistics yards allowed per coverage snap fourth out of 119 uh, yards allowed per target 11th out of 119. This guy is just so good. And he is on what you would call quote unquote, the wrong side of 30. Cause he's turning 31 before the season starts. Um, he didn't have as good of a season last year as he has had in previous seasons. So maybe teams view him as kind of falling off a little bit, but what better than to get a guy who is proven and who might feel a little bit slighted because he's not getting the type of offers from other teams. Maybe you make his contract a little bit incentive laced. And if it is, then, Hey, I mean, you get the best play out of one of the best cornerbacks that's going to be available on the market I think I think one of the biggest things that you brought up is that the Lions had interest in him at the trade deadline. Yep. And if they had interest in him then, they're going to have interest in him when when free agency starts in one week and 11 days from when you're probably one listening month. to this. Hopefully one, yeah, month. one month. No, <laughs> um, one week. Let's get this started. I'm sick of the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I think a lot of people view Harris as primarily a slot guy, but the fact that the Lions went after him at the trade deadline just shows that they know that he can play the outside as well. Um, because, mm-hmm. because it wouldn't make sense to go after him if they viewed him purely as a slot. Cause they just handed Justin Coleman a lot of money. Um, another guy who kind of has that outside inside um, versatility is Logan Ryan Titans cornerback. Who's probably going to be one of the most uh, sought after guys in free agencies. He'll, he'll, he'll be costly. He played nickel with, with the Titans most of the time, but 
a big connection here is that he played with the Patriots. He played under Matt Patricia. And when he was in New England, he mostly played on the outside. So if Matt Patricia liked what he saw in New England and liked him as an outside corner, Logan Ryan could certainly be their guy. He He's not one I'm quite as excited about because I think he's th- he's thrived a little bit more as an inside corner, as a nickel. Um, but at 29 years old, he's a little more young. Um, he is coming off of, of a better season than Chris Harris. So um, I think he might get, get a little bit more money. But because of that connection, because he has the inside-outside versatility, I think he needs to be on the list. Yeah, I think he needs to be on the list too because of the ties to the Patriot system, right? And I think mm-hmm. that among other cornerbacks too, he has a lot of traits that are desirable for a Matt Patricia scheme. He's a he's an excellent tackler. Mm-hmm. I think the Lions really value that. I think they value mm-hmm. his size. I think they value the fact that he is familiar with the system. Uh, he's 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 a good cornerback. I think that the Lions just might not be in the market for him because his contract will be so rich because he's turning 29 before the season starts. And I think he might be looking for something like a three-year deal or maybe like a four-year deal. Something something like last cash in. Yeah, his last opportunity. And I think if if the Lions are looking to extend or pay anybody it should be a guy in house and it should be Darius Slay. Fair so enough. yeah but I, n- nonetheless I think that he's a guy that should be on people's radars for sure yeah and the last corner I'm gonna list before we'll get to some of your offensive guys that we'll talk about um, I think we have to look into the Eagles secondary um, there's there's no better scout of the Eagles talent in their secondary than Corey Unlin so Ronald Darby is a guy that I think we have to keep an eye on um, you know a guy who who had all the accolades coming in to the NFL started out okay, then the injury bug hit. You know, ACL injury in 2018, a whole bunch of injuries in 2019. It's his worst season by PFF, but the dude is 26. I feel like Unlind is a guy who's going to really know what he has, and I think I think there's a good chance that he comes to Detroit. I think that there's a potential for that as well. I, I think that he could be a guy that the Lions would be interested in. Yeah, I, I guess I guess the one thing is he doesn't fit under that category of proven talent that'll come in immediately and 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 you know blow everyone away. But yeah, to me, it's a young option. It's a nice backup situation if you don't go corner, you know, number three overall with the draft. Um, and he'll probably come fairly cheap, even though he's young, because he's struggled so much in these past few years to just stay on the field. Um, it's an opportunity to give him a discounted rate, especially maybe taking a, a coach discount of being with a guy who's coached him pretty much his entire career. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think that along the lines of who the lions might be interested when it comes to cornerbacks, because it seems like every off season, Bob Quinn signs one last season. It's Rashawn Melvin uh, in 2017. Um, blanking on his name played for the Raiders or drafted by the Raiders cornerback. Uh, being an awful person right now. <laughs> uh, uh, DJ Hayden. DJ there Hayden. You go. Nice. Okay. I, I think I think that there might be a potential where the Lions might try to grab a guy must much like Garnett, who they who they you know sweeped up, who kind of like flamed out of the league a little bit just yeah. due to either injury or something. But he was a high draft pick at one time. Same thing with DJ Hayden when they signed him to a one year kind of prove me contract. 
right. did the same thing with Rashad Melvin. I think that they might be in the market for a guy like that, and and, and that, that could be a potential fit for them. All right, let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about some of those, um, well, not necessarily skill positions. Let's talk about wide receivers. I know you've had uh, one or two in mind. Who do you think the Lions might go after to, to fill that slot position need or, or maybe even outside need? Yeah, I think one name that I think would be super interesting, and he played in the Super Bowl, but Emmanuel Sanders. Mm, okay. Now, he's a little bit long in the tooth. He's going to be 33 years old by the time the season starts. But I think that he doesn't show that he's 33 years old. He had a great season last season. Um, He's a better player almost late in his career than he kind of was at the start of it. And, you know, in addition to his ability as, you know, a, you know, just a pass catcher, he's such a good route runner, which I think makes him such a viable target to be a slot player because the lions need that. They need that kind of receiving help. And I think that being 33 years old, Emmanuel Sanders is going to want to go to a team that is probably an immediate contender, but I'm hoping that the prospect of playing with like Matthew Stafford and having other big time wide receivers around him would be attractive much in the same way that it was for Anquan Bolden. So I could see Emmanuel Sanders coming here, maybe on, you know, a two year deal or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just one of the most sure handed guys too. Yeah. And I think that that's really important for the lions. Now he's not a guy who's going to get a ton of separation because of his athletic ability at this age, but his route running his hands, uh, he had just one drop last season. So I, I think that he's a, He's kind of like a premier. If the Lions want to make a big splash at the wide receiver position, they'll go out and get a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. I like Emmanuel Sanders a lot. That's that's an interesting fit. I th- I think the biggest hurdle, as you kind of mentioned, there is would he want to come to Detroit? Um, mm-hmm. And and that's that's a tough ask for a lot of people, um, given the state of the franchise, given their kind of hard nosed mentality right now. It's not for everybody. Um, another name that I'm kind of interested in is, is Randall Cobb. Um, definitely fits kind of the, the slot receiver, one of the best route runners um, during kind of his prime. Not that he's completely out of it yet. I mean, he's what he's just he's just about to turn 30 this mm-hmm. year as well. So I'm um, kind of hitting that wall there, too. But, you know, maybe he wants to play for a franchise quarterback that isn't washed. So, you know, <laughs> don't go back to Green Bay, obviously. <laughs> come, come to Detroit. Yeah, you could come to Detroit and that would be a great fit. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, w- one other name that I have yeah, at wide receiver, um, and this is, it's another Dallas guy. And yeah. hear me out just because I, I think that he's an interesting prospect from the, from the, from the standpoint that he just adds some interesting wrinkles to your offense and might even be a potential returner for you. But Tavon Austin. Mm, yeah. I think just as a shifty guy who has the ability to play out of the backfield mm-hmm. because we know that the Lions aren't set at running back, uh, but can also line up and play some slot receiver. I think he, I think that might be some, I, I think that might be one of the cheaper options that the Lions might be able to kind of just grab and for what you'd pay for him. I think the return on that investment would be, would be a good one in the same yeah. way that, you know, when they grabbed JD McKissick and, Sure, he ended up he, he wasn't the greatest running back in the world, but for what they paid for him, he was a really good addition. It it would almost be like 
the Kenny Wiggins of wide receiver signings. Like I, I get the feeling that the Lions might go wide receiver in the draft because I feel like it's a pretty deep draft, especially for kind of and we we've seen a lot of third and fourth round speedy inside outside guys um make an impact in the rookie year. So mm-hmm. I think having that kind of backup plan slash veteran presence at that position, like a guy with Tavon or really any of the guys we named, really makes a lot of sense. Um not breaking the bank on a guy like that and just kind of going veteran cheap. And I think mm-hmm. Austin is, is definitely a, a, a viable candidate there. Yeah. All right, let's move back to defense. I promised that I had a bunch of defensive tackles because I, I do think it's a huge uh, position of need. Now, I've, I split these into two categories. One are the really boring run stuffers that are going to be your kind of nose tackles. You're either Snacks Harrison's or Sean Robinson, and then your pass rushers. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about the run stuffers and get the boring ones out of the way. Okay. Uh, one guy I'm circling is, is the Titans, Austin Johnson. He was a former second round pick. Definitely kind of that two gapping run stuffer. Big dude. The, the issue with him is just, he's unspectacular. He's, he's, he, you know, he's in a kind of similar system in Tennessee. So you got kind of the, the Patriots-ish background, not technically any games with the Patriots, but would be comfortable in Detroit, but has never really risen past the like 60s and 70s PFF grades, never been outstanding at anything other than, you know, just being a solid to a, above average run stuffer, not really going to give you much in terms of a pass rush, but those are the kind of guys the Lions love, right? Especially right. in rotation. Um, so in terms of like a guy, a two down guy, he would definitely be a two down guy. Um, he's, he's just kind of what the lines are looking for and, and probably a guy that can get relatively cheap. Yeah. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the lions grabbing another player as long as it's not Sylvester Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. Like the lines feel like every year they, they try to hit a defensive tackle, whether it's a veteran well, it's Sylvester Williams or Stefan Charles. There's an endless list of guys that they failed. Cornelius Washington. Cor- Cornwash. Although he's more of an edge guy. He um, is, but I think he still fits that mold of, hey, we're going to yeah. try to take a chance on this guy who has this potential. Flashed it in times, maybe dealt with some injuries, but we're going to give him a chance. And then they end up flaming out. Yeah. And and this other guy is, is kind of the same same vein. It, it's the Chiefs Super Bowl winning Mike Pinnell. Um, oh, the in, everybody the thought you were going Chris Jones. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we'll, we'll talk about Chris Jones in a minute. He's he's more of the pass rushing ilk. Um, but the in, the most interesting thing, and this is both a positive and a negative, is Mike Pinnell signed a two year deal with the the Patriots at the beginning of 2019. Mm. He didn't make it to the regular season with them. So the <laughs> fact that he got cut. Obviously a bad thing, but he actually showed up with the Chiefs in the final eight games of the season, um, mostly as a rotational guy, but very, very strong run defender. Um, Again, not a ton as a pass rusher, but um, if you need a guy like Aishon or a rotational piece, a Kevin Strong, if you will, um, I think he's potentially a guy that the Lions could go just to kind of add some depth. And he's a signing that 100% everyone is just going to go, meh, when it happens. But yeah. But the fact that the, the the Patriots at least went after him shows to me that they at least know he fits their scheme. Maybe he didn't do what they wanted to. Maybe he wasn't at the skill level they expected when they signed him to that two-year deal. Um, but they see the potential in him in his scheme, and, and that means I think Matt Patricia will too. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I can throw out one other name for defensive interior real quick that I think would be an interesting signing. Hit me. Danny Shelton. Mm-hmm. Connection to the Patriots. Yep. Uh, you know, the, the, the Patriots were able to grab him after he flamed out in Cleveland after being a first round pick last year, 34 tackles uh, and three sacks. So pretty much played, I mean, he played 492 snaps, 253 run defense, 238 pass rush snaps. So he's kind of this like do it all guy that would be really good. I think positional depth and he's, he's a younger player too. So, yep. um, but at six two three forty five. Like that's a guy that, you know, I, I think that Matt Patricia would value in a system as being kind of this like space eater. Yep. And he was, he was actually on my, my list of pass rushing DTs um, coming oh, off his best, nice. his, his best year as a pass rusher with a 73.3 PFF pass rush grade, only three sacks, but uh, you know, we all know what to think about sacks number sack numbers, especially from interior position. Their job is really mostly to push the pocket so that those edge guys can, can eat up some sacks. Um, I'm going to go quickly through Gerald McCoy's guy that I have a list, just kind of more of an interesting name. I don't think he's necessarily the best fit in the system playing mostly in the four threes entire career. But if the lines are looking for a pass rusher, he's a guy that can still get it done. I think, um, and you know, he's had injury histories in in his past. He's up there in age. So I think he might come a little cheaper than normal. Um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a guy like Chris Jones, who we can talk about right now, if you want, um, but over the cap estimates that the guy is going to get a four year, $72 million deal. That's 18 million a year. I don't think the lines are going to spend that much on the pass rushing guy as, as good as he is as I, and I even think he could play in this system, even if he's not the best of run defenders. I just think that's too rich for their blood. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a capable run defender and he could get the job done, but he's not Aaron Donald. And you're paying him money like he is Aaron Donald, right? I don't think that the line. I think that's. I think that's a little bit too rich for the Lions' blood. Yep. And that leads me to the guy that I think, if the Lions are going to go all in on anyone, this is the guy they need to do it with. This is a guy who actually finished with a PFF grade better than Chris Jones by by one slot, fifth of all defensive interiors last year. That's the Texans' DJ Reader, and. The thing that makes me very intrigued about this guy is not only that he's young, not only that he's he improved dr- dramatically as as a pass rusher, 35 pressures from the interior in 2019. But this is a guy whose reputation was run stuffer going into 20 going into 2019. This is a guy who can do it both. This is the key piece that I think is a really really good fit in Detroit. He's big, he can get to the passer and he fits everything that the Lions love in a run stuffer. If there's a guy that they spend 18, it's probably not going to cost them 18 million for a guy like DJ reader. It might cost them 12 and 12 or 13. I say they go for it. I think he's, he's, he could potentially be the linchpin of that defensive line going forward. And that's a lot saying that they, after they just spent everything they did on Trey flowers, I think DJ reader is the guy that this team needs to circle on their wish list and, and go after strongly if they can. Yeah. I really like DJ Reader from this standpoint. He's young. He's 25. You view him as being one of these like foundational pieces that you would, like you mentioned, alongside Trey Flowers. Yep. I love the fact that he is 
still this big guy who made a reputation as being a run stuffer, but showed this potential as now you never want to end. You, you never want to underestimate the power of the contract year. So yeah. the fact that he really maybe worked his tail off and proved it. And I'm not saying that he's some guy who's going to like rust down his laurels and be like, all right, I got my contract. So I'm going to cash it in and then I'm done. But maybe that type of effort and level of, uh, you know, varying up his game and showing this ability to be a pass rusher. Maybe this is something he would come to Detroit and maybe he wouldn't even necessarily be asked to do. So it it just depends on how maybe the coaching staff would view him. Would they view him as a guy that they want to maybe move around a little bit and, and, and and push the pocket in that way? Or do they want to bring in a guy who is a cheap, affordable option to just be a space eater? Like, cause I think Danny Shelton, would be much cheaper, obviously, yeah. than a guy like DJ Reader. So I think it's really just the I, I think it's whatever flavor the you know the the front office decides and and DJ Reader's not gonna be cheap. He's not. But do it. Do it anyways. Go All for right. it. Go big or go home. That's right. Get it done. All right. Do you have any other guys to name? I as far as defensive interior guys, anyone. I do not. Any I don't. Throw oh, anyone? Empty the bag. We're we're All nearing right. our end here. Okay, I have two names. Maybe. One of those names is Jamie Collins. Okay. And I, I know that we feel pretty set on... I know we feel pretty set on linebackers because it seems like this coaching staff really likes who they have. They yep. extended Christian Jones. Everybody thinks Jared Davis is the best middle linebacker in football. <laughs> they drafted Jelani... You know, they drafted Jelani Tavai and he had a up-and-down, solid rookie season. But I think that bringing in a veteran presence like Jamie Collins would be a huge boost to not only the play, but also to hopefully the other linebackers. And I think that it might push some of their players. It might push, it might push Christian Jones to be, and uh, I don't even know if you can be worse. <laughs> so maybe it pushes Christian Jones to be a better football player. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's so befuddling. I, while I think the Lions do view their linebackers as being set, I don't think that they would be opposed to picking up a guy like Jamie Collins. Yeah, and he he's he's thirty years old. I mean, what do you think? I mean, there there was all sorts of rumors with Collins in, in terms of his clashing with New England. Um, the fact that he came back to New England shows that maybe all that was overblown. Although. There are, there's also the case to be made that maybe his clashing was with Matt Patricia, and that's why he came back to New England when, once Matt Patricia was gone. Um, but in terms of fit, like I even mentioned in a recent article, like the one thing this linebacking core has been missing since Jared Davis got here was a veteran guy who knew the system. They did, mm-hmm. they've, they've never really had that. And so it does make sense on a, on a surface level to get a guy like Jamin Collins. I just don't know if he's a, he's a personality fit. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. Give me your last one. Drew Brees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I guess that means it's the end of the podcast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I do have one. one more. Okay. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on First Bite. Uh, if you like what you heard, be sure to tune in for the the regular POD cast, which comes to you every Sunday night live around 8 p.m. Check our Twitter account. Sometimes that changes a little bit, and you can always get it on your favorite podcast feed the next day. 
So with that, I bid you adieu. We'll see you this weekend.